All right. I thought I should explain a few things. About a year and a half ago, Eric uh, Knopf, uh, who's not here tonight, um, they have had a night, a week of being up most of the nights. He was up this morning at 3 o'clock. And so he and Camille stayed home tonight. And yes, I miss them, but um, Eric is a teacher. And about a year and a half ago, he taught on the fivefold. Um, all of our sermons are online at epiclifeonline.com. And if you have never listened to, if you don't understand the fivefold, I'd encourage you to go back. I think it's June 13th. Mm, no, it's not. Um, 2012, but it's about that time. Uh, go back and listen to those because if you don't understand your gifting, you'll have a hard time understanding why you want to do some of the things you do, and you'll also have a hard time maturing in the Lord. Um, Eric's a teacher, that's his gift. It's uh, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And um, his, if you notice, he always is line upon line, precept upon precept. I'm apostolic. So I love the fact that Eric brings in the teaching gift and gives you all the information that he gives you because you have to have that to mature in the Lord. I'm apostolic and that means that I want each, every single one of you to get a clue from the Holy Spirit on what your destiny is and how God created you and where you can go. So I'm always, Eric always grins when I get up to preach because um, I'm always like, come on, come on, come on. And then I have a little kick you in the butt uh, somewhere there in the sermon. So tonight I just want to talk to you about guarding your heart. Um, and I feel like a novice in this. I really feel unqualified to talk about this tonight because it's so fresh. And a bunch of the stuff that I'm learning um, is, uh, I'm, I actually have been, I've probably cried more in the last month than I've uh, cried in the last year. And sometimes I think I'm fine. But as I'm starting to open my heart up and understand what my heart really needs. I'm finding how ignorant I am and how little I know about that kind of stuff. Uh, Shayla Todd came and spoke at uh, DNA last year and she talked about your heart. And she's like, she's teaching and she goes, you just need to ask your heart. Heart, what do you need? And I'm sitting there listening to her teaching, and I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this is what I'm thinking on the inside. And I know some of you have thoughts on the inside. Some of you don't hide them very well. But some of you have thoughts on the inside. And so I'm sitting there listening to her, and inside myself, I'm going, hey, what do you need? You know, like, go ahead, tell me. And so, but then, like, the guys I live with, Coleman, Shaddy, and Saul, they took it in, unlike myself, and they started actually practicing it, and they started giving all these revelations. So I'm like, oh my gosh, all right, let me try this again. And so finally I met with Shayla for coffee, and I'm like, look, when I go, heart, what do you need? My heart, I don't hear anything, and she snorted. <laughs> if you don't know Shayla, she can be so to the point. She snorts and she goes, if I was your heart, I wouldn't talk to you either. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, you never listen to your heart. And I'm like, I didn't even know I wanted to talk. And so I've kind of been on a journey um, with my heart. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you a little bit about your heart and what the Lord's been showing me about mine and yours, possibly. And then um, I'm going to actually lead you through an encounter. Um, and I have a worksheet. So if you don't have a pen, uh, there's some of the silver things. We're not going to pass out the sheets yet for all my sheet passer outers. Um, but I just want to kind of talk to you a little bit about this. Whatever I focus my heart on is where I'm going to live my life from. I'm going to say that one more time. Whatever I focus my heart on is where I'm going to live my life from. I want to talk to you, um, the Western mind, like in the Western mindset, 
we compartmentalize, we have our heart, which pumps, you know, and that's where feelings come from and you really can't trust feelings because we idolize thoughts and the mind is, you know, the mind is what thinks. And especially for us guys, you know, you can have your emotional moments if you, you know, want to be a girl, but, you know, we would prefer to analyze it. If life doesn't make sense, it should. And if you women will just take a seat, we'll help you understand how life really works because it's not all about feelings. You can't base your life on feelings. And um, I, I do know that you can't base your life on feelings, but as guys, we are actually pretty ignorant a lot of times because we're so out of touch with our heart that we have all kinds of addictions because your heart has needs. And if you don't meet them in appropriate ways, they will help you find a way to meet your need and it will not make your life happy. Proverbs 23, seven says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Remember I said, we believe that this feels and this thinks, but God was a little confused obviously because he says, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I wanna read you the Hebrew definition of heart. And I had them actually, uh, did you guys do the definition? Awesome, thank you. Because it's, it's a lot of words. It encompasses the entirety of your inner man or woman. Your heart is the seat of your mind, imagination, wills, desires, emotions, affections, memory, and conscience. It's the center of your communion with God and the faculties that perceive God. I want you, I'm gonna read through that one more time because I want you to see the broad scope of your heart. And before we go any further, Holy Spirit, I just uh, ask for your revelation tonight, for a revelation that goes beyond our minds to our hearts. I also break off every lie, every word curse, every accusation that's been spoken over any of you. I break the power of any verses that have been used in witchcraft. I especially break the power of the teaching that your heart is deceitfully wicked and you can't trust it. So, and I just call your spirit alert to the Holy Spirit. So, that said, let me read one more time. The definition of heart, it encompasses the entirety of your inner man or woman. Your heart is the seat of your mind, imagination, will, desires, emotions, affections, memory, and conscience. It's the center of your communion with God and the faculties that perceive God. If you have an iPhone, you'd be smart to take a picture of that. Because there's a difference between your emotions and your affections. Do you know that? You can have emotions, but the, some of your emotions should not turn into affections. There's a difference between your will and your desires. Jeremiah 17, 9, and 10, and today I was reading this. And I was so like, uh, I'm so clueless that I called Chad Everett, the guy that pastors me. And I said, what do you think this means? Because I don't have a clue and I'm preaching on it tonight. And um, he said, well, maybe you should ask the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I'm like, thank you so much. So let me read it to you, Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And I have heard this verse for years. It's the one that sticks in my head when I think about heart. And I'm like, okay, let me not trust that thing and all the emotions that go with it. So I need to stay mental. Verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? Search the heart and you test the mind. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of 
a situation in my household, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. And whenever we moved into our house, we all have different chores in our house. And Shetty has cleaned the kitchen. I have the floors, Saul has a glass, and Coleman has the yard. And if you saw my yard, you would think, eh, that's such a little thing, you know. But, and I didn't think about it, I thought I was pretty even myself. But whenever the grass started growing, all of a sudden I realized, if Shetty decides not to do the kitchen, you can't really tell it. I use a sponge, I clean stuff up, people clean up after themselves. If Saul doesn't do the glass, you can't tell it. I can tell it, but you probably couldn't, because I'm picky. And if I choose not to do the floors, which I do the floors. And it takes me about, um, I would say it takes me five minutes. I do it about twice a day, because I have dark wood floors. But Coleman's job, which I didn't realize, takes about mm, an hour, maybe an hour and a half. We can skate on our, our chores. If he doesn't do the lawn, you can tell it. And he's out there sweating like a mug and we're inside, you know, drinking coffee, you know, just having a great. And so I noticed it's really unequal. And I didn't do a thing about it. Because I wanted to know something. What you want to know? I'll tell you. <laughs> That's a good question. I wanted to know the same thing that God wants to know about you. When it's unequal. When it's unfair. When everybody else's dirt work takes that long and you're out there sweating in the sun and you know they're sitting in there doing something fun, he also could tell that sometimes we didn't do our chores. I wanted to know, what can I trust him with and what is his character? And when it doesn't go his way and it takes forever to do his and nothing to do ours, who is the man? Who are you? And I noticed every single week, bam, the lawn got done. There was, there was a season where it wasn't great. And I, I said something about it one time. And from then on, I mean, every single week. And he's, he's building a business that's absolutely exploding with the favor of God. I mean, he, he has some amazing stuff. I don't know if I can say it all, so I won't say it all. But it's amazing what's happening in his business. He's working like a dog. And the lawn gets done every single week. My mom won't even let me come on. Well, he does a good job. But here's what God wants to know about you. Because what it told me was, I could entrust myself to him. Am I making sense? God wants to know that about you. So a lot of times, the things that we think are warfare, they're not warfare. God's testing your mind because he's searching your heart. He's looking, what are the motives for which you do things? So, I was like, ooh. So then I go to myself. Anytime I'm talking to somebody else or I'm discipling somebody or meeting for coffee or whatever, I'm usually listening closer than they are. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit, where am I doing, how am I doing on this? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You would think God is like clueless on this stuff. He obviously doesn't understand all the things that we know, right? He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You would think he'd say, trust with all your mind. He doesn't. He says, trust with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. So I was like, wow. So if the heart's more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick and the Lord searches the heart and tests, tests the mind, what's the deal? And the Holy Spirit began to show me. Let me read you Ezekiel 36, 25 through 28. And this is the Message Bible. I'll pour pure water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. You'll once again live in the land I gave your ancestors. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. And I was like, oh, I began to get a clue. Because my heart, separated from God, is deceitful and wicked. So is yours. But, <laughs> careful there. Um, but as I begin my relationship with God, my heart begins to be transformed. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. As I begin to renew my mind, it sinks to my heart. Because as your mind starts changing and you choose what you're gonna believe and what you're gonna think, then your heart responses to life start changing. And it's a process. I hate it when people, when preachers call people down front and ask them if they wanna accept Christ because your life will never be the same. He's gonna change you just like that. I'm like, eh, he's gonna change you and a bunch of things may drop off instantly, and I really hope they do. I've seen it happen before, but it didn't happen like that for me, and it might not. How many of you, and it's, it's awesome when it does, how many of you had an instantaneous change when you accepted Christ? Raise your hands. Raise your hands high. Okay. See, that's encouraging. And so you really look for <laughs> Now, how many of you did not? Whoa, everybody's worshiping. <laughs> For the majority of us, it takes a bit. It's your responsibility. But I want to encourage you to interact with God. And I'm getting ready to just start an encounter with the Lord and kind of guide you through that. It's not near as mysterious as you think it would be. Just try, though, just, just sitting down with God for like 15 minutes a day. For five minutes, just read the Bible. Because, you know, we'll, we'll go like, I'm going to start having quiet times. I'm going to set aside an hour. I'm going to get up at 5. I'll get up at 4.45. And you're that snooze, snooze, snooze. And then you're like really embarrassed because you were talking to God when you made this promise. You're like, eh, let's just act like we didn't have that conversation because you're trying for something that's way too big. Just try for 15 minutes. If you don't have any time with God normally, just do 15 minutes. He has plenty to say. I can barely do what he tells me in 15 minutes sometimes. Um, let me read 2 Corinthians 10, 5 to you. Because your mind and your heart are very intertwined. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish. I love that word. I'm like an extremist. Uh, so is Eric. Don't let him kid you. If you ever saw him do his motocross stuff, stupid. As he often says, stupid should hurt. It does occasionally. Right? Where's Cody? Right. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
And I'm telling you tonight, if you're ever going to mature in the Lord, you're going to have to choose to make your mind bow to the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you're going to be a church folk. That's what I call, you know, all of you have worked with people where they come in, punch the time clock, go sit at their desk, do their job, go lunch, come back from lunch, leave, punch the time <laughs> clock, and go home. That's what we call church folk. You were not created for that. None of us were. We were created. We all have destinies in here that are very powerful. We were created to make a difference in the world. Every single one of you. Courtney, sweet, tiny little thing, so cute goes to India and literally sweeps the whole place. Every place she goes, she gets handed the microphone. She thought she was going to do administrative stuff. But she had done her homework. She's been doing her homework for a couple of years. So when she stepped up to take the microphone, homegirl has some authority. Mm -hmm. And whenever she began to declare things and to call things out, and to operate in her gift, which happens to be dance, you would think if she was in the church, she'd realize we don't dance. King David danced. He embarrassed his wife. I don't know what God created you to do, but it was not something small. Every one of you has a voice. You, but you have to learn to take your thoughts captive and make it obedient to Christ. I have thoughts. I, I used to have a huge sex addiction, which I'm still working on. And there were times I'd be driving down the interstate and I would say out loud, my, to speak to my soul, soul, you will bend your knee to my spirit man because my spirit man is in charge of my destiny, not you. And you guys have to learn to talk to yourselves like that. Because you'll have all kinds of lies. That's why before I speak, I break off all the lies, accusations, everything that's been spoken over you because I want you free to listen. Every one of you has a destiny. Romans 8, 26, 27 says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. If you read Acts 2, you'll find that whenever the Holy Spirit fell and they started speaking with other tongues, they had a different level of power. And a lot of times we don't want to talk about that in the church because we wouldn't want you to be uncomfortable but I'm just here to tell you that whenever you begin to operate and welcome that gift into your life, you do have a different level of power. God is the same today as he was in Acts 2. And he desires for us to do signs, miracles, and wonders today. But whenever we close ourselves off to something that's so elementary in the kingdom and was at the very beginning of the great move of God in Acts 2, then we also close ourselves off to all those other things. So I just encourage you, if you've never experienced that, just ask the Holy Spirit just to show you what is that all about and how does that apply to me? Because he does it in a way that totally fits you. You'll see some people and, you know, they'll do like these crazy, wild, extreme things. If, God, if that's not your personality, you're not comfortable doing that, the Holy Spirit's not going to make you be like anyone else. He wants you to be perfectly you. Some people are quiet and so deadly. Mario Dufour is like that. She's just very quiet. 
She could walk into a room. I remember before she went to UCLA to get her degree, she came back, thank God. But she would, when she would talk, at, we had a group called Brigade, which has become DNA. But there was an old crowd in Brigade, and Mary would start to talk, and everybody would go, stop talking, because she had this quiet voice, so you had to shut up to hear it. Very powerful. God's going to use you just like you are. Verse 27 says, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for all the saints according to the will of God. As I pray in my prayer language, I find that I get freer and freer on the inside. You want to have the mind of Christ inside yourself. It's not something that I can fully explain And for many of us, that's the issue. Because if we can't understand it and compartmentalize it and logically take our notes, you know, and put it into a three-point sermon or five points if it's really, really good, then it just can't be real. Because I can't be getting off into experiential things. Well, that's interesting. If you approach your love life like that, you're never going to get married. Because there's something about love that is unexplainable. And that's the greatest evidence of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues does not make you holier. I've known some really mean people that I never want to be around who speak in tongues. Whoa. Yeah, I said it. (laughs) And I meant it. Because the great thing I love about God is the giftings, and God, uh, the giftings and callings of God are irrevocable. He gives it to you, and then if you're a jerk, he doesn't take it away. But if you keep praying in your prayer language really often, you will not be a jerk. I'm just reading you some verses. This is just oh, what the Holy Spirit's been showing me. God does search the heart. It says Romans 8, 27. He's, he who searches the hearts, he wants to know, what do you believe? He knows what the mind of the spirit is. I take you back to where it says, I, the Lord, Jeremiah 17, 10. You guys don't have to go back there, but Jeremiah 17, 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. God searches your heart, and he knows the mind of Christ. Because as I spend time with him, my motives become cleaner. Because when I listen to the Holy Spirit, he goes, do you realize, do you hear yourself? Do you hear what you just said? I'm like, what? Don't talk to me on that voice tone. Okay, what? What did I say? And then he'll tell me what I said. And I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't mean to say that. He's like, great, go say you're sorry. The Holy Spirit will change you if you will let him because he loves you. Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flows the springs of life. And I'm going to, um, if you guys want to stand up and pass out those worksheets right quick, I want to give you some practical ways to watch over your heart. Awesome. Just pass them as quickly as you can. I like this one verse, Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I like that verse, because I like the word delight. And I want to talk to you for just a second about worship. Because if you don't learn to delight yourself in the Lord, I want you to stop for just a second. Delight yourself in the Lord. What does that mean? That's good. 
but it's even more than that. It's actually delight yourself. What's your favorite thing to do? When you do this, when I do this, I'm delighted. For me, it often has to do with little kids. Because when you're with little kids, if they get delighted, you know it. Because they're like... I was watching Scarlett up here with Addie three weeks ago. And Addie is like this. She has her feet. She's already doing like the, the little princess thing, you know. Addie stands like this. And Scarlett is standing in front of her. And it's during worship. And she's like this, and she's tickling her under the chin. She's wanting any reaction, you know, just anything. Give me anything. She's hopping from foot to foot. Then she squeals, you know, and Eddie's just still standing there. Some of us are like, I've been a Christian for 15 years, and God's never done a thing for me. Probably hasn't. Because if you don't learn to delight yourself in him, he loves you. But it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay. Um, we're not going to read these verses next to each of these. Um, like, it's, it says obedience, Joshua 1, 7, and 8. You can look, look those up later. But what I want to ask you to do, I want you, whether you're here tonight and you're really close to God, or you're far away, or you wouldn't even consider yourself a believer, the Holy Spirit still speaks to you. Um, I actually counsel uh, Jehovah's Witness. And so one of his concerns was his spiritual life. And I said, well, just listen to God. I said, he loves you no matter what you do. And he goes, uh, that's where we kind of have a theological difference. And I'm like, I know, how's that working for you? And he was honest enough to go, not so good. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just try this. I said, I'm not talking about my Bible. I'm not talking about your Bible. Because a lot of the verses in my Bible are in your Bible. So let's just go with yours. I'm like, just ask the Holy Spirit. And he was like, oh. So if one is, I suck, and 10 is, I'm awesome, I want you to start asking the Holy Spirit as we go through this, in the area of obedience, where are you at? And before you make, like, I actually was uh, in Reading this last Sunday. How many of you remember Nick Salgado? Yeah. See, the majority of you don't. Nick was never on leadership. Just a plain guy who came around. But when he moved to Reading, he was like, we had this cool thing called DNA in Sacramento, and I'd like to start it here. I went up there to speak Sunday night. There were like 30 people in the room, and they were cool, sharp, amazing people. And Nick is leading the whole thing. Now, why would I tell you that story? Because a bunch of you think if you dropped off the face of the earth or you didn't, if you stopped coming, no one would remember that you were here. God has you here for a reason. And it doesn't matter how small you think you are. Oh, I'm not on leadership. I asked Sean Lawrence this week, just so you know how I talk to people. Well, I'll tell you that story in a minute. It's a good story. Um, guys, have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. You are not small. You are not weak. If you look around the room, there's like every shade in this room. Amen. There's, there's all kind of folk. I love it. Have an encounter. So I want you to encourage you. I'm just going to ask you, ask the Holy Spirit. You'll go, I don't know how to hear his voice. When the number comes to you, write it down. So in, on obedience, I'm not talking about do you follow all the rules. I'm talking about of the things that God has spoken to you personally about, where are you at in your obedience with him? So, And please don't look at each other's papers and please write your name at the top of your paper. 
I know, y'all. Write your name at the top of your paper. Yeah. What's that? One to ten. Thank you. Any of you, during this time, feel free to ask any questions. So where are you at with obedience? And ask the Holy Spirit, wherever you're at, what's one thing you could do to improve? Does anybody need a... Do I have any more of these? And pens. Y'all have pens? Thank you. So where could you improve? What's one action item? Mm-hmm. Anybody else need a pen? Thanks. So. I'm going to also ask you not to talk, because if you're talking, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. And this is between you and him, not you and your neighbor. Do you guys at the back have these worksheets? Awesome. Okay, the next one is listening to the Holy Spirit. So on listening to the Holy Spirit, where are you at on doing that? And what's one thing you could do to improve it? Listening to the Holy Spirit could be putting your iPhone down on silent <laughs> on the carpet where you can't hear it vibrate. Now, why would I know all those things? From watching you guys, of course. Okay, reading God's word. Where are you at with that? Do you do it? Like one to ten, what's the Holy Spirit tell you that that number is? And what's an action item that you could do to improve this? Oh. Okay, the next one is live in community. And let me talk about that a little bit. I know you all live in communities. But living in community is how do you actually live with people? And what I mean by that is do you live in the, within the family of God? Like, are your closest friends the people that you draw life from, do you live in the community of believers? One to 10, how are you doing on that? <clears throat> the reason this is so critical is because you're gonna become like the people you spend your time with. There are some Christians I refuse to make a part of my inner circle because I don't want to be like them. I'm talking about gossip, Criticism, lack of faith, negativity. I don't want that. And there's some I choose to be with because they're fun. 
They have a lot of joy because they don't have time for that other stuff. They're not always negative. You ever look at people's Facebook statuses? It tells you everything about them. Where are you at with that? And what's an action item for living in community? How about live transparently? Whatever you cannot talk about runs your life. I love to talk to large groups because people can't get ticked off at me. No, I'm not thinking about you right now. None of you. But if you have a secret that no one knows, you have a lot of bondage in your life. You guys come week after week and you listen to testimonies where people give up, get up and tell shocking things. And they t- the most shocking thing is all the miraculous things that God has done in their life to give them transformation. What's an action item? Maybe you need to tell your secret to one person that you can trust. Or if you're a person here and you need to grow in this, come up and ask me, this is what I'm looking for. This is the type of person that I'm looking for. And you can go to coffee with someone. I can introduce you to someone and see, is this a person that you could start entrusting yourself to? Next one's be teachable. Being teachable is so important. And if you're a person who has to be approached just the right way, just the right voice tone, uh, please don't give me any uninvited information. I asked uh, Sean's permission. I uh, had lunch with Sean Lawrence this week. And... I said, I want to ask you a question. I want to know, how committed are you to following through on what you preached a couple of weeks ago? Are you going to shrink back? Are you going to go for it? Don't you wish you could go to coffee with me? (laughs) And he said, no, I'm not going to shrink back. And he began to tell me all the things that God is doing in his life. I'm seeing so much fruit in his life. And it's not sermons. Sermons don't impress me. It's people that he's loving. People that he's spending time with. It's the tender heart that's there when he shares the verses that God's changing him with. And I do approach any of my close friends. I do ask them hard questions. They ask me the same ones. If no one ever asks you hard questions and no one gets you outside your comfort zone, if you have to control every relationship and no one can speak into your life, you're in a really dangerous place. Cultivate people who will just say to you, I've been noticing this and it scares me for you. Okay. Live within circles of covenant. Speaking of that, who speaks into your heart? Notice I didn't say who speaks into your life. Who speaks into your heart? Where are you at with that? Do you cultivate that? Do you intentionally choose people whose lives have good fruit? Does your life have good fruit? What's an action item? Do all your friends that you really sort through issues with have your same stronghold? (laughs) Ooh. Whoa, I didn't mean to hit a bullseye like that. (laughs) Are all your friends really critical of everybody else? When was the last time your closest circle of friends told you something that God revealed to 
to them about themselves that wasn't positive. Because if, if your closest friends aren't sharing that kind of stuff with you and you're not sharing that stuff with them, you need to grow. Iron sharpens iron, but not all iron is equal. Because if, if I'm a serrated edge knife and you're a lead pipe, or let's say you're the serrated knife and I'm a lead pipe, that iron will not sharpen iron. Pretty soon, the knife gets dull because you picked poor iron to sharpen yourself on. So don't think just because you get together with a Christian that iron is sharpening iron. Lead pipes beat you to death. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to be good here. Such a struggle, that's exhausting. Um, Okay, the next one is praying in your prayer language. And if you've never explored this, read Acts 2. Because that's when power fell upon the believers. It's also possible to have your prayer language, but if you don't pray in your prayer language, you don't grow in it. And you also don't experience the freedom. When you pray in your prayer language, you're praying pure prayers. Because that's the Holy Spirit praying through you. So sometimes, like when I get into deliverance situations or I get in where there's the, the spiritual atmosphere is not really positive, no problem. I'll just pray my really deadly prayers. I'll pray in my prayer language. That's where your mind has to bend its knee to the spirit. And that's why we, many of us have such a hard time with that gift because nobody tells me what to do. And so when I'm telling you, your mind has to bend. It's like take a knee. That's really uncomfortable. Okay, one to 10, how are you doing on your praying in your prayer language? The next one is discover how God made you and steward what he shows you. And we're going to, we're actually going to have some leadership classes. I thought about, uh, because we have a transformation one-to-one -one class that we're going to do. All of our leaders have been through it, and I actually rolled it out the last, last month. I'm meeting with all of our leaders, and by the way, if you're a leader here tonight, and we don't have a meeting set up, and we haven't done it before the next leadership meeting, I would love to put that on the calendar. But I'm meeting with all of our leaders to go over it because I'm asking them to pull together all the resources that we've given them, which are Strength Finders 2.0. They've all taken a spiritual gifts test. I have any of this is available to anybody in this room. The Fivefold Ministry Test, you can find that on epiclifeonline.com. About 5,000 people have now used that. Um, Eric's got people in Africa, all over the world, who are contacting us about that. Circles of Covenant, um, time management, and also uh, prophetic words. And then we also teach people to uh, use a lie detector worksheet from Christ Life. Even if you haven't been through Christ Life, that's a very powerful tool to understand. So I would just ask you, what is your pursuit of knowledge about yourself? Because this is the way that you guard your heart. You can't guard something you don't know anything about. So you, the strength finders shows you your five greatest strengths. Spiritual gifts test will show you your three top spiritual gifts, but it'll give you about 10 or 12 spiritual gifts. The fivefold, you wanna understand so can I tell the pastor apostle story? So Eric Knopf and I were meeting with Saul. When he preached a couple of weeks ago, he talked about that little season where he kind of left and then came back. So when he decided to come back, we were like, that's cool. We're so glad you're back, but we want to meet with you first because we want to address why you left. And so we're meeting with Saul and about 40 minutes into it, 30 minutes into it, Saul just goes, I don't even feel like you care. 
So I, of course, assumed he was talking to me because, just because. So I'm like, yeah, I do. And he goes, no, not you. He goes, at least you can talk to me about my destiny or I feel like you at least have some feeling that I have a future. But he goes, Eric Knopf, all you're doing is just giving me one verse after the other. And it was like, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just gave me this amazing revelation. And that was, yeah, I, I'm apostolic. So I'm like, come on, Saul, because I, I don't care where you've been or what you've done. or I don't care. God has a future for you. And if you want it bad enough, you can have it. But Eric felt really cold and impersonal because he's a teacher. And so he, he was, and I told Saul and Eric, I'm like, no, wait a minute. I'm apostolic. Of course you feel like I think you have a future. But Eric's a teacher, and the greatest love he can show you is one verse after the other. That's why you have to understand. Good thing we have another one, huh? You have to understand where you are in the fivefold. Because you'll never really understand, why do I do the wacky things I do? Like we always tease Shaddy. Shaddy's a pastor in our house. I'm not. I try hard, and I, I used to be much better at it, but now that I'm raising up more mature pastors, I don't have to try so hard at that. But we'll tease Shaddy because he told me, Pops, he goes, you do like your appointments back to back to back. I think you should change that because that wears you out. I'm like, no, that would wear you out because you're listening to a person for an hour and you're like, oh, that's horrible. That's, that's terrible. And then Shaddy, you know, he's, I'm, we can do something. Let me pray with you, you know. And I'm like, hey, you have a future, you know. These are the things that the enemy's telling you. I'm like, and so I'm all energized. He's like kind of tired at the end of it. Do you understand? Because he's a pastor. I'm not. I'm apostolic. Eric would have 15 verses, and Eric would probably feel pretty good too. Because, you know, hey, <laughs> I gave him 20 verses because it was so serious. But Shaddy, the pastor, you know, and then I have an evangelist who'd be like, eh, I'd love to talk to you, but why don't you talk to a pastor? Because I care about the people who don't know Jesus yet. You just want to know how God made you. So what's your action item? What do you have to do on that? So. I want to encourage you to continue to interact with the Holy Spirit. Don't turn this into a mental exercise. Don't evaluate, analyze, and then judge yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit. Live a life of forgiveness. I put Mark eleven twenty six. 26. <laughs> it's a very sobering verse. It just says, if you won't forgive people, God won't forgive you. It's really simple. And I don't care how you define grace. That verse still says, if you won't forgive people, God won't forgive you. Where are you at with forgiveness? 